With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to What Happens in the Woods. This is the WTF Wednesday edition, number seven. We're, number seven. We're at the end. This is it. So my name is Jessica. I'm the host here and with me is my husband, Bryce. The Hello. Best, the best co-host ever. <laughs> what is going on? Catch you off guard. Um, if you don't know what this is or who we are and you're a newbie here, well, welcome. But where the hell have you been? Welcome. Get uh, get buckled in and be ready. So, by the way, happy two year anniversary for living in Washington. Yay! Did you realize? No, you weren't even paying attention. No. Yeah, I figured. I I kind of figured you would have mentioned it if you had been paying attention. Big okay. whole two years we've been here. Yay! Two years. Yay! We're still alive. Still alive. <laughs> Nothing's happened yet. No. No volcanoes. No. Oh God. Just a. A pandemic. You know, I I don't even want to put that out in the atmosphere, honey. I feel like that's <laughs> this is not the year to say that. Uh, uh, 2020, nothing will happen. It's perfect. 2020. Shut your fucking mouth okay. right now. <laughs> I am not with you right, right now. All right, guys. So we made it to the final what the fuck episode in our off season of the podcast. How do you how do you feel, honey? How do you feel with all this fuckery we've been through? Makes me feel better about my life. Yeah, for sure. I also have decided that fuckery is my new favorite word in the whole world. <laughs> okay, I'll, yes. I'll leave that to you. Yeah. So season two is set to start on September 4th, uh, which is nine whole days away. Yay. Nine. Nine Summer sleeps. vacation's almost over. <laughs> there are some people already back in school, and I guess if we were in I California. For us. Well... Yeah, I don't know what vacation. <laughs> we haven't yeah. done shit. We haven't no. done anything. Life sucks. Yeah. We've kind of been locked down, so. Yeah, there's nothing to do, and I'm not willing to risk going out in general public for just just for the sake of my sanity. So, yeah. Um. So, September 4th, which is a Friday, uh, just to know, we are going to get back to our regular releasing schedule. So, every other Friday... Um, we're gonna. We've got new cases to talk about. Uh, some of them you may not know, and I I hope so because that's kind of the goal is to bring some light to old cases. So I I kind of hope that that's 
you don't know, and that we kind of give you new information instead of rehashing the same old cases that have been talked about. Case in point, Ted Bundy. I'm I'm sick of hearing his name. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Yeah. We're um, not doing Ted Bundy. No, All we right. will never do Ted Bundy. I will okay. never do it ever. Sorry. It's He's glorified and it's disgusting. Um, if you're here for Ted Bundy, you can, you can go. So um, also I want to mention the website is going to be down during the next few days and reopen on the 4th. Uh, with the new episode release. So be on the lookout for that as well. Hopefully it doesn't burn and crash. I don't fuck it up too bad. Uh, we'll see. That's what I have you for. You're going to help me fix <laughs> okay. everything. Yeah. I'll come in with my, my broom and, and dustpan and clean up everything. Yes. The fiery mess that will be the website. No, I can figure it out. I'm a big girl. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any updates, Bryce? No. No, uh-huh. no, for sure. For sure. For real. <laughs> uh, yeah, I okay. have an update. So the discord server will also be launching on September 4th. I know I've been talking a gang of mess about it, but September 4th, we're going to launch it. Um, the thing behind it was what we were thinking was, uh, 8 PM Pacific time. We wanted to open up the Discord server and do sort of like a, a Q&A session if people wanted to talk to us about the new case or if they had questions or updates or, you know, anything uh, that we will be on Discord server and talking to you guys. Sort of like, a you know, a, an after podcast. So we look forward to that. Look, Like I said, we love interacting with you guys. So. Yeah, we hope that you guys um, will come and join us. That'll be some just something extra. So big day on the 4th. Yeah. Yay. All right, let's dive in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. These first two stories are ones that use DNA to give uh, victims their identities back, which is huge. So we're going to start off with a local story that started 26 years ago in Snohomish County when the body of an unidentified man was found in Stickney Lake. Um, and this was in 1994, but authorities, when they were called, they realized that he had been in the lake for some time because there was like a, a film, soapy film yeah. over the body, which I only used that descriptive just to give a reference as to why they knew that. So the man had been shot in the head and then weighted down, then placed in the lake. They tried for years to get him identified through sketches which nothing, nothing came of it. They even did one uh, as recently as 2019. So until, you know, that time, his case remained unsolved. At least his identity remained, you know, unknown until now. So DNA is fucking amazing. Yes. Um, DNA had been extracted from a tooth of the victim. Okay. They found a first cousin through something called, it's either Jed Match or GED match. Yeah. Um, from there, they were able to contact the possible brother and father of the victim and match DNA through them. So they just released this information through the Snohomish County Medical Examiner's Office and the County Sheriff's Office uh, Major Crimes Unit and confirmed that the victim was Rodney Peter Johnson. So Johnson was last seen in late 1987 or early 1988 um, by the family after he went on a camping trip. I'm just, I'm not sure if it was, I just don't know how you don't know when the last time you saw a person is. I would think 
it, especially with a horrific crime, it would be ingrained in your mind. I'm not sure why the possible continuation, maybe he went camping at the end of the year and, and it went into the beginning of the year, or I'm not sure. Just kind of weird to me. Yeah. So that also means that he was in that lake for about six to seven years. Oh, before he surfaced? Before he surfaced. Oh, wow. Yeah. So unfortunately, like I said, the murder is still unsolved. Investigators are asking for help to piece together what might have happened to him. So anybody in the Seattle area or anybody listening who lived in Seattle in the 80s, um, specifically Ballard, they believe that he was a resident in Ballard during that time and he was employed at the Golden Dragon Chinese restaurant. Um, so if that rings the bell to you, I'll we'll link, of course, to the news article, but there is a, a new, you know, some pictures of him and uh, the sketch done. If if anybody listening knows anything, uh, you know, police are, are asking to have you contact them. They're just trying to piece together, you know, some information about his life during that time. They can piece together people he knew, what might have happened, and just kind of get some answers for the family. But at least they have the resolution of knowing what happened to him and they can kind of you know, they can finally grieve. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a long time. He went missing, what, 1988, you said? 87 or 88 is wow. the last time he was seen. So, and they, the um, sheriff believed that he was killed at that time, that it, it wasn't like he was missing for a year or so. And they held and him then captive. Yeah. yeah. So they do believe that he was, at that time, that was when he was murdered. Wow. So, and they do believe that he was in that river, or that lake for that long. So, yeah, it's really unsettling. But the family, like I said, it, it's positive in the fact that they have means to have a resolution. Yeah. That, you know, they can finally grieve with some answers, if not the full, you know, answer to the story. They have some answers at least yeah. and, and can get through their grieving process, which I don't know. You know, if somebody I knew went missing, at some point you do start to realize they probably are dead. But how do you grieve that? Because you just don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like you would not ever have that full process until there's a definite, yes, this person has passed away. Yeah. It's, but I think it's awesome that DNA has come that far. Yeah. DNA is, is, it's just, it's fucking amazing. The next case is also one recently solved through the use of DNA. And again, this is, it's just remarkable. I'm, I really hope that, all these cold cases where DNA was collected and they, they knew enough to collect it, but they didn't know what they were exactly going to do with it, you yeah. know, back in the day. I hope that these criminals are just shitting their pants, waiting for the day when uh, police or authorities come knocking on their door and they're like, hey, we tied you to this to this case that, you know, yeah. we're now able to solve because you left trace evidence Kind of um, like the uh, the Golden State Killer, where they just they had enough and they they tied him to all those. The, right. What was that? The the Strangler, the East Area Rapist, and then the original Night Stalker, because his the the acronym was Ears. What was the other one? The Ransacker or something like that? Oh, Visalia Ransacker. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's you know that's media. They're no, but I mean, it tied him because that's oh, where yeah. it showed his progression where he's breaking into right. homes. He wasn't really like assaulting people, but, right. you know, like most serial killers, it progresses from breaking and entering to, you know, uh, then rape and then to, you know, murder and right. rape. And 
it just shows his progression. And with the help of DNA, oh, wow. Right. Yeah. I mean, this fuck thought he was going to just die and not have ever. Uh, he really been. thought he got away with it. Yeah, no, he really did. 72, someone came knocking on his door. Right. And I'm sorry, no fucks given. You you did it. I don't care how old you are. And I the way he portrays himself right now at his hearings, yeah. you're disgusting. You are absolutely disgusting because your family knows damn well that there's nothing wrong with you. You yeah. are not portraying. You have not been this bumbling idiot who can't piece together a sentence and acts like they don't understand what's being said to them. Yeah. That is not you. You are putting this this face on so that you can garner some support and some sympathy. Nobody fucking cares. With what you did and how many lives you destroyed, nobody fucking cares. I don't think at this point, like even if they gave him 25, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. What is he, 72 now? I believe so. Yeah, he's not going to make it. So he might as I mean, he has confessed to everything. He's just guilty to everything. But Right. There was no way to deny it. No. Yeah. I just, it's, it's the stuff like that, that, I mean, DNA is, is really the hero of the moment right now. And all, all the people in those fields, you know, the forensics, the, um, anybody who is working in connection with DNA and trying to get these backlog of cold cases solved through the means, they're the heroes right now. Like it's, it's amazing. What I just come to realize is that CIS has lied to me. (laughs) God damn it. I don't even know. I thought know. they've had this technology for the last 10 years. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I was listening to Paul Holes, um, an interview that he gave, and he was kind of talking about, because this is where he started. You know, that yeah. was kind of where he started in the field and what he's been doing and his contribution to all of that. And, you know, he said he wishes that it was like that. Yeah. He wishes that that even, he said the amount of, of like, something about the amount of, um, you know, machines and and lab equipment available in in that CSI lab would have been dispersed among 15 or 16 different field operations. It Uh never would have been concentrated in one place. It was just, it was like a a very light bulb moment, I guess for me, because it's millions of dollars worth of equipment. Oh yeah. There's no way that every CSI lab is going to have all of that equipment. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something maybe FBI has or CIA has. That's not your your standard Las Vegas police department isn't oh, yeah. going to have that. So, yeah, I mean, it just kind of really, of course, everything's sensationalized. It's fucking TV. I know. They had to make it, you know, interesting. I know. Yeah. I just, it, it but a lot of people <laughs> do believe that that stuff is real. And I mean, I remember reading yeah. about that effect to the CSI effect in right. court, how everyone was just thought, you know, that, yeah, that was the way it happened. But right. come on, people. No, you, that's, that's just kind of the thing is it's, it's never what TV is never what, what it makes itself out to be those. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll get back on track. All right. Back on track. Here we go. <laughs> so this one goes back to the disappearance and murder of a young lady in 1977. So I'm decades ago um, from Everett, Washington, The victim has been identified as Elizabeth Ann Elder. She was born in Oregon in 1959. At the age of two, she was adopted to another family in Oregon. Her last name then was changed to Roberts. So on July 25th of 1977, her family reported her officially missing to authorities. They were still getting like random phone calls from her at this time to kind of ask, you know, for money. Yeah. 
I'm not really sure why Wait, she her, ran away. Her parents. Her adopted parents, but her parents, not, yeah. Not the police. I was no, like, no, no, Why is she asking the police for money? No, the parents. Okay. Um, so, and the family did. They they sent money to the Seafirst Bank in Everett. It's been since determined that none of it was ever picked up. And then they stopped hearing from her and they didn't know why. So until recently, all that was known about this previous Jane Doe was how she died and who killed her. There were multiple sketches made and distributed to try to identify her over the years, but nothing ever reported back. Uh, nobody had any information. Nobody could make a positive ID. Um, in 2008, the Doe Network set, um, took up the case, and as a result, her body was exhumed. And a new discovery was made by the state forensic anthropologist, uh, Dr. Kathy Taylor. So previously, it was said that she ha- was in her mid-20s mid to like early to mid twenties at the time of her death. Yeah. This um, doctor was able to find that she was actually between 16 and 19 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a big, it's a a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because of that, the national center for missing and exploited children got involved in the case, which I don't believe in 1977, they were around that I believe is the result of who was it? America's most wanted. I can't remember his name. Oh my God. It's on the tip of my tongue. A Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his son was kidnapped. I believe that, that the Center for Missing and Exploited Children is a result of, of his work. Okay. So, like I said, this happened, you know, after 2008. By that time, she'd already been missing for three decades. So, Roberts ended up being identified by something called SNP DNA, which uses sources that are like the hardest to get DNA from. So, yeah. there was a hair that did not have an end follicle on it that they managed to get DNA from. So it's fucking remarkable. From this, authorities were able to get a match to her biological family. So turns out she had a half-brother who had also been adopted and that she had three other sisters or two other sisters out there. He learned when he was 12 that he had other siblings and he had been searching and searching and searching. I don't know if he ever found the other two, But unfortunately, you know, the authorities found him and notified him that they finally recently had identified Elizabeth. So, yeah, unfortunately, they never, you know, got to have a reunion. But again, it's closure because now the people who know her and knew that she was missing now know what happened to her. Honestly, I didn't plan to talk about this because... I was more interested in the DNA aspect of things. I was just kind of researching like DNA and and looking into this. But then I started looking into the facts of the case and I was kind of browsing through and it said her body was found in blackberry bushes off of the Bothell Everett Highway and she had been shot seven times in the head. And I was like, fuck, I know exactly who this is. Do you, does it ring a bell? No. So this is Elizabeth um, Roberts was murdered by David Roth, one of the Roth brothers that we talked about in episode seven. Oh, okay. So she has gone unidentified 43 years. Wow. Yeah. So a recap on that, in case you don't know, Roth was driving down the highway in um, August of 1977. He picked up the now identified Roberts as she was hitchhiking. He was trying to party, go to the lake, go swimming. And they, you know, maybe did some drugs, maybe did some drinking. We're just kind of hanging out on the side of the road. And he decided that he wanted to engage in sex and she refused. And um, he flipped the fuck out 
flew into a rage. Um, she was choked with a bungee cord and then shot in the head. Um, he was picked up just a couple days later for an unrelated issue. But from that, they got the 22 rifle that he used and they got his car in, in custody, like impounded. They just didn't know that they had him um, until the ballistics finally came back two years later on that rifle. They had no idea that he was the guy and he didn't say anything. Of course. Of course. So he eventually, you know, they were able to arrest him and, and put charges on him. He, a- after they arrested him, he was actually helpful trying to describe her because of course being shot seven times in the head by a 22 is not going to leave too much identifying marks. Yeah. So he was, as helpful as he could, because I think he's one of the rare people who acknowledged the crime, yeah. acknowledged that he had to pay for his crime and was remorseful for what he had done yeah. and went through the system and rehabilitated himself. Yeah. So he, you know, gave hair color, eye color, as much of a description as he could remember, uh, given they were probably drunk or high. Mm. He remained helpful to trying to figure out who she was. So he served his time and was released in 2005. So unfortunately, this doesn't kind of clear up why she may have run away. Yeah. But at this time, her case is is done. You know, her family has answers. So um, if anybody is interested, we have the the episode still up. It's episode seven about the murdering Roth brothers. Uh, we do talk about his brother, Randy, who was also a convicted murderer. Yeah. Uh, his story is first. Dave's story is first. So her family, both adoptive and biological, have their answers now, and they are planning a memorial service and to have her finally buried in the family plot in Oregon. And this to me is just, this is, makes why we discuss cases like this worth it. Yeah. It's, it's so that the family can have closure. Things can be found out. Things can be brought to light about who, you know, these Jane and John Doe's are. And it just helps, it doesn't help soften that, you know, this has happened to somebody that you love or, you know, but it, it helps you to grieve because you know now. Yeah. So just kind of an interesting, I had no idea that that was even an update. So we recorded that in May yeah. and they, they started piecing this together in June of this year. Oh. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So the next story we're going to cover is linked to a breaking news um, that we shared on our social media back in June. June was a fucking month. Yeah. This is that story of the suitcase that washed on shore near Alki Beach in North Seattle that was found by teenagers. I know you watched the TikTok. Yeah. I've watched the TikTok. So they recorded the discovery of the suitcase on TikTok and kind of the reports that I read say the friends were using something called Randonaut. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm not. I don't know what it is. It's just a thing on on TikTok. I don't remember if it's TikTok or Snapchat, but it just sends you to random places. And where they went, it wasn't like a a planned location. It is just totally random place. So that and they just followed it. And yeah, I remember even watching the interview on YouTube with the creator of the app, and he's like, "This was totally like nobody puts input into it. It just generates random places on a map for you to go." That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm sure that at some point somebody would have found that. Yeah. Cause it was, on, it was on shore and I'm sure someone would have walked by and, and saw it, but these teens were 
you know, prompted to go by this app just to a random place. Yeah, that's it's crazy. When they found it, they thought maybe it contained money or other valuables. So they, they got closer to it. And I wish they hadn't unzipped it, but they did. And then, you know, they kind of were like, yeah, it smells really bad. Yeah. So then at that point, they call the police. And of course, the police come down and take over the scene. Um, they later found that there was a second body in the water as they were kind of combing the, yeah. the area. Um, so in July, the bodies were identified as that of Jessica Lewis, who was a mother to four kids, and then her partner, Austin Winner. Lewis had been shot only one time, but Winner had multiple gunshot wounds. So it's kind of assumed that he was maybe the target and she was an uh, un- unlucky bystander or, right. you know. Was it like execution or was it? They they're not giving much details at this time because it's still a very much an active investigation. Case, yeah. I mean, it's pretty fresh and they don't have enough to be sure of anything at this point is what I'm assuming. There's, I mean, I'm sure they're looking at this, the type of suitcases and the bodies were dismantled and or I don't know what's the right dismembered, to say that, dismembered and wrapped in garbage bags and yeah. then taped up and placed into the suitcases. So I'm sure looking at every possible means of trying to figure out where that those supplies came from and yeah. if there's any evidence on them, any evidence on the bodies following the stream of where the current would have brought them down from there. So where could they have started? I mean, just I, there's just all pos- yeah. possibilities. I don't think they want to give away too much mm-hmm. because they they need to you know, be able to withhold something so they can figure this out. And yeah, the public doesn't have too much information. So the only reason I bring this up is number one, they were identified and it's, it's horrific. I mean, she's a mother of four. Yeah. I was going to say those four kids have been affected. Right. And they, you know, also from friends and families that I've read, they, you know, state just how caring and loving they, they both were. She actually worked with special needs adults and wow. kids, and it takes a certain type of person to do that. Yeah, it's, you got to have a lot of patience yeah. for that. It's not easy. And I mean, especially, you know, when they're not your relative or they're not directly related to you, but right. it takes a lot of patience. It's definitely one of those things where I believe those people are, they're just angels. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's yeah, it's not something that everybody can do. And it's not, you know, even, even for us having a daughter who has autism, yeah, I don't have the patience some days and I can't imagine her not being related to me and not having the patience, yeah. you know, it's just, I, yeah, it's not for everybody. And that, that to me is just devastating because those people are so few and far between. Yes. Yes, and now yeah. one of them has been taken. So, you know, the lives of those people suffer. So the reason I mention it is the families have started a GoFundMe to raise $10,000 as reward money to try to figure out, you know, have somebody come forward with any information They've only raised about a quarter of that since they started this in um, June. Oh, come on, people, get on board. Yeah, I mean, I I understand that times are tough, but I I do feel like five bucks. I mean, come on, yeah. don't get coffee today. Go, you know, find something that you can help with. If you don't want to help with this, if you you know you're not interested in this, there are other things that you can do in your community to help. 
But I just, it was sad to me. So they're also asking out of respect of the deceased and their families that the TikTok video be taken down, which is still up. I was able to watch it right before we're recording. So it has over five, uh, what is it? 5.4 million views at this time. So the family is like, hey, it's, it's been out there long enough. The, you know, the guy that it's on his account, um, he's received notoriety from it. The rest of his TikTok videos are, are, you know, kind of blown up as well. So, you know, can we take it down at this time? It just needs to come down. Yeah. And I get it. Um, I think the fact that, you know, the teenagers show the suitcase and unzip it and showing some of what's inside. I can't imagine watching that knowing that that's my loved one. Yeah. I, I will say the kids did the right thing by calling the police as soon as they were like, this is just way too sketchy Yeah, before they even suspected a dead right. body. Um, so, I mean, kudos to them for that. I just, yeah, I, I think I can sympathize with the family on that view of, yeah, the, that TikTok video needs to kind of, it needs to go. All in all, if anybody can help with information or by donating to the GoFundMe, please do. Um, Anyone with knowledge is invited to call the Seattle Police Department's Violent Crimes Tip Line. That's 206-233-5000. The families just, they deserve closure as to what happened with their loved ones. So, um, you know, any, any information that you might have. So then we have another update, sort of. Okay. I just, I randomly came across all these things all at once. Um, this one is on the never ending saga that is Carol Baskins and her missing presumed dead husband. She did it. This bitch. So <laughs> that was one of the craziest Netflix series I think I've ever watched. Aside from Don't Fuck With Cats. Yeah. And this is going to kind of parallel that. So Uh-oh. yeah, Netflix is, I don't know. They... I know they must have had this pre-planned. It's this came out during quarantine. Yeah. Don't fuck with cats was right before. Yeah. And then I think this was like maybe two weeks after that, that this, uh, the Joe exotic tiger King thing came out. Mm-hmm. So I know that this is, you know, in the world of, of TV and, and producing these things are in the works for a couple of years at yeah. least. Just the timing. was <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Honestly, I watching it didn't see the appeal so much. I was giving it a chance. And then we got to the third episode and they started talking about her second husband's disappearance and her possible connection. And I was hooked. I was like, oh, okay. Now we got something. There's more to this story. No, it's just like it went off into another branch. It was yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you thought you were here for endangered animals that are being kept as pets and in cages. Oh, no, fuck that. We're talking about dead people, you know maybe being killed by their wives. Okay. I don't know how many people watched it at this point. I mean, I, a lot of people, millions. It. You never finished it though. Did you never started it? You kind of were in the room when I started I just, it. No, I walked through and I <laughs> glance at what you're looking at. I'm sorry. I just can't stand mullets. <laughs> just, they just, it's like repellent for me. And I'm like, ah, there's a mullet. Gotta go. Okay. It's so bad. Oh, all right. Sure. Um, so for those of you who didn't watch the series and, you know, maybe didn't catch our bonus episode, we did a bonus episode on Jack Lewis and Carol's part, if any, in his disappearance. So go check that out. Yeah. Um, so just a recap again, in case you forgot somehow how crazy this story was, or you just don't know Jack Lewis and Carol met while she was walking on the side of a busy street 
According to her, he tried a few times to um, get her in the truck. Like he would circle around and stop and, hey, do you need a ride? And she was like, no, leave him the fuck alone. And then he finally pleaded that he just needed to talk to somebody. And that if it made it feel made her feel better, that she could hold this loaded gun on him yeah. while they were driving around. And for some reason that did it. And she's like, sure. Um, he was 42 at the time, married with kids. She was 20, also married with one child. And it was the beginning of just this wacky fucking odd relationship involving like real estate scams, exotic animals, trips to South America. And they're very up and down relationship. Yeah. Where, where did this, where did they meet? Pretty sure Florida. Yeah. You said you're going to leave Florida alone. I, I, I can't. I can't ignore Florida at this point. <laughs> this is, it keeps, like, I think I've searched for things in, or I've, looked at so many things in Florida that now that Google is like, Oh, Florida, yes. you want to know about Florida. You want to know all the fucking things about Florida. Uh, and I don't. So yeah, this, I hope to God, I never have to mention it again. So sadly, um, their relationship ended with him disappearing on August 18th of 1997. So like ex almost exactly 23 years ago. I don't know what it is about August yeah. and people dying or murders or I, it's like the end of the summer and people are like, Oh, it's almost fall time. we got to get these murders taken care of. I don't know. Um, so his body has not been found and there are about three or four good rumors as to where he is and why one of them being that he relocated to South America and, um, you know, he, he just changed his identity identity, and he left her. And I don't know if I believe that or not, but um, somebody, I was reading something and somebody was like, it's more plausible that he gone girled her. And I was like, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. He gone girled her. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Another one is that she fed his dead body to some of her tigers, which I still cannot get a clear answer on if tigers will or will not eat human bones. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've heard yes and no from people who think that they are authorities on it. Like I've read and tried to search it. I, I, see, I don't know if they're like dogs where they eat the bone to get to the marrow. And I don't know. Right. I don't know. But then are they like pigs that just eat it, eat everything? You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I. It's just, I don't know. I really don't. So are they capable of doing it? I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure they are, but I don't know. So other one that is Joe Exotic, this was like his favorite thing to say, is that she killed him and then buried him under a septic tank yeah. on, the, on their property. So she, she has repeatedly said that they were misrepresented in this Netflix docuseries. And they were disappointed by how they were portrayed and that all of these are just, it's, unbelievable silly lies he joe exotic would not let this go so here's where don't fuck with cats comes in turns out that her claiming that it's not possible because one septic tank on the property was dug and and you know put in way before he disappeared yeah the other one was years after he disappeared so in true don't fuck with cat style, a Facebook group came together to investigate. Uh -huh. They claimed that they found some damning receipts that contradict that timeline. 
So according to the group, there is a permit for the installation work filed on August 4th, and the project was scheduled to be finished on August 15th. He disappeared on the 18th, or he was finally reported on the 18th. Okay. Yeah. She didn't report him right away. So he disappeared like on a Thursday and Friday, and she didn't call until a Sunday to report him. Right. There's also allegedly receipts showing a large mound of dirt delivered to the property on the 14th. So if those are accurate, then that septic tank was put in right when he disappeared. Like the process of digging and installation. Hmm. Right. And that it was pre-planned if their permit is to be believed. So Coincidence? I, that's what I'm saying. Carol has responded regarding the allegations um, first right after the docuseries aired and recently, claiming that there's just no way that it's true. She says that a disgruntled employee started this rumor in 2000. Joe Exotic took off with it, and it's just, it, yeah. She has also said if anyone wants to foot the bill to rip it up and replace it, authorities can come at any time, dig up the septic, and do a search for the body. Do it. I mean... If, How much if you money have is spare it? money, we're not paying for that. Fuck that. No, but I'm sure that Facebook group, we get enough people. Oh, that's true. Five bucks. I mean, Come maybe. On. So she also stated, quote, I'm not letting some armchair detective use this as a filming opportunity to continue with their baseless as- accusations, end quote. To that, I have six words. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yes. In this culture, armchair detectives are making discoveries left and fucking right. Oh, yeah. Case in point, Michelle McNamara with the Golden State Killer. Yes. She searched for shit that the authorities, you know, either couldn't or wouldn't search for. Piecing together coincidences between the three areas where he yeah. was a known offender. Don't fuck with people who have the time and the means and the smarts to find this information. Oh, yeah. You will be very sorry. So I almost feel like that was gauntlet thrown. Yeah. (laughs) Like Challenge accepted. Right. So Internet gauntlet has been thrown down. I'm I'm pretty sure some shit's going to come of this. I'm not quite sure. I feel that she is responsible for his death. I don't know that she buried him under a septic or, you know, gave the tigers his body, but there have been multiple people come forward and say that, you know, his will was forged, that, you know, just all sorts of weird things. It doesn't add up. She's the only one who benefited from his death. It's it's fishy. I think she put that out in the universe and she just fucked herself. Yeah. Um, so I want to end this episode on an up note beat. So our last story is when I came across that isn't really related to true crime per se. It involves fishing to end homelessness. Okay. Not what you would I, I don't usually connect. associate those two together, but all right. Right. So this one comes out of Spokane, Washington, and is pretty recent. So local news reported this in 2018. I was able to find an update on um, on this in 2019 on Facebook. So a gentleman by the name of Ryan Rowe started a donation drive to benefit uh, what's called Family of Promise of Spokane. They are a not-for-profit agency that helps families in their homelessness in that area. And of course, like all the other agencies that help homeless people across the nation, they're underfunded, they don't have enough resources, and they're barely scraping by um, to help the people in need in their community and, and can't, of course, obviously cannot help everybody yeah. as, as hard as that is. The patch article that I read, the patch being a local 
news agency in Washington state. They claim that this specific um, shelter is the only one with a 24-7 emergency walk-in homeless shelter in the area that would take families and children. Oh. And Spokane's not like a, a large town, but it's it's not small. Yeah. You know, it's a large area. So um, this gentleman, Ryan Rowe, he knows the director of that agency personally. He's worked closely with them, and he knew that they were hurting for money to find a larger facility so that they can help more families. And while he was... Um, fly fishing one day he was live streaming it he said he was just kind of surprised about the number of people who tuned in the live stream it was just kind of more than what he expected and he thought how can i use this as a platform what can i you know all these people are just here from to watch me fish i could be educating them about something or i could be helping somebody yeah eastern washington is is really you know if you're an outdoorsman or if you're a hunter or fisherman that's the place to head to, you know, yeah. Eastern Washington. There's still a lot of wilderness out there. For sure. So in 2018, in September, he announced his drive titled Fishing for Families, where he would be spending 3,500 minutes fishing on Silver Lake. So this is one minute for every child in the county that was homeless. 3,500. Oh, Jesus. Right. Um, and it, it breaks your heart because, you know, these are... Some of them are underage runaways. Some of them are, you know, entire families that are homeless. Yeah. Some of them have lost parents and didn't know where to go or have any place to go. And they're, you know, maybe they've evaded the system somehow. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's not always that they're just homeless or pieces of shit. You know, their circumstances are different for everything. Right. Can't just lump them all into one. No. And, and I feel, I mean, these are, children regardless of what their parents have or haven't done these are children they, they're not responsible for for their the circumstances that that have yeah. happened to them they're not able to make their own decisions they're not adults they're not in charge of their lives they have to be guided by either parents or authorities or you know social workers anything like that yeah. it's just very it's very sad and i'm this is not what I think is worse is this is not an isolated situation. This is happening in communities all over the United States, Yeah, all over. This is, you know, Spokane is not the, the center for child homelessness. Yeah. It happens everywhere. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. So he was asking for donations for $10 for every minute in hopes of raising a hundred thousand dollars. That's a big chunk of change. It is a big chunk of change. He was out there over the course of a few days fishing and live streaming the entire thing. He did fall short of his goal. Um, he did manage to raise over $18,000 to donate to the agency, which, I mean, that's a large chunk of change, yeah. you know, and I'm sure it went to good use. On their website, they were saying $2,500 can end homelessness for a family of five. Huh. $2,500. So they helped multiple families with just that donation. It's really, really amazing. That's awesome. So then in September of last year, he did it again. This time for at least two days of it that I could figure out, it was fucking snowing. (laughs) Oh, bad timing. Bad timing. Um, But he was out there. He went out um, at the break of dawn, was out, you know, in his boat fishing. And then he, um, typically he would have like slept when he could on the side of the 
like the embankment. Yeah. As he done the previous year, he had like a, a whole setup so he could, you know, take few few breaks every once in a while, eat, sleep, rest and whatever, and then get back out there. He ended up having to kind of leave that and mm-hmm. couldn't stay out there, of course, in the elements. But he would come back out in the morning and, and be there all day. This time he managed to raise $1,500 or uh, $15,000. So still a pretty decent chunk of money. Yeah. Um, I don't see any news that it's going to be repeated this year. I really hope that he's able to. And because now more than ever, things are, if it was bad before, I'm sure it's worse now oh, yeah. with, you know, people losing their jobs, unemployment being a joke right now, you know, the the lack of, of support and aid from resources that are overwhelmed on a good day. And now they're seriously underfunded and overwhelmed. Um, families are in need. Yeah. So I, I hope that he's able to, to do this again this year. The website for the agency in Spokane is www.familypromiseofspokane.org. I'm going to link, of course, their page to our podcast description. I hope that everybody just takes a look. You may or may not be able to donate, but take a look and see what they're doing. Also, you know, if this inspires you, look at your own local area. See what you can do. You maybe can't donate, but maybe you've got some canned food in your you know, everybody bought an abundance of fucking toilet paper and and canned goods while this pandemic was starting. Yeah. Can you donate some of that? Do you really even, need all of yeah, it? Yeah, even the old clothes or an old sleeping yeah. bag or something. Something. You know, find something in your area that's helping families out like this and, and see if there's something that you can do. They appreciate it. And, you know, it, just, it takes you five, ten minutes of your time and you've done something good. What's the big fucking deal? So I just kind of felt like that was a feel good story to end with um, something that we should just all be mindful of is, you know, helping communities. And when, when we all, you know, when we all come together is, is when good things happen. So with that, it's wrap. We're done. Okay. (laughs) We hope that everyone has enjoyed our what the fuck summer. We are so, so close to 2,500 downloads. So close. I, I posted that a giveaway is planned for when that happens. And then I was kind of thinking like, oh, well, I don't know what we would do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we are going to do it though. So what we decided upon was that we will do an Amazon gift card giveaway. Yeah. Cause it, it was easy. Yeah. Well, well, like, not easy. It's because, you know, we do have listeners in Denmark right. and, and uh, Canada and Australia. You know, it wouldn't cause us to ship. We could just deliver it digitally. So. Right. Yeah. So we, we are going to do that. So make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook. The handle there is WHITW podcast um, for more information or Twitter is what happens in IN the letter T two. Of course, the handle couldn't be the same. Nothing is ever that easy. No. If you're new to us, get caught up on all of our episodes on any listening platform, as well as stay tuned for the new season to start September 4th. And um, thank you to everyone who has helped us get this far. You guys are the fucking best. Yes. Yeah. And uh, also, don't forget, if you're new, go rate and uh, review our podcast on iTunes. It helps other people find us. Yes. And thank we, you. We definitely appreciate anybody who, um, you know, is recommending us or giving reviews or, or just liking um, anything that we do. So, as 
always, we're going to say, stay safe, be kind to one another, and fuck, stay out of those damn woods. Stay out of the woods. There's just no good. No good that can come of it. We want everybody safe and sound. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. been whacked him. Can't convince me that it didn't happen. Fed him to tigers, they snacking. What's happening? Carol Baskin. 